And that goes back to that tactical orthodoxy, right? Well, the J-turn, the J-turn is an important component of protected mobility. Perhaps at one time it was, but tactical objectivity leads us to a much different place. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Protected mobility and today's operator. I'm here with Elijah Shaw, and today we're going to be talking to Joe Ortera, CEO of Vehicle Dynamics Institute. It's going to be fun, this, isn't it, Elijah? Yeah, for sure. You know, in the big scheme of things, Joe is like, he's like a superhero to me. So if it was like on the Avengers, Joe would be like Dr. Strange. You know, you're like calm and and collected and and maybe you underestimate him, but but he can work his magic. That makes sense? Yeah, in a multiverse of ways. (laughs) No, no. And Joe's... Yeah, uh, well, Joe, Joe, Joe's been very kind to me as well. He's he's very kindly uh, spoken on lots of circuit magazine events. We did one entire session on protective mobility uh, last year as well, and and he's got such a great perspective because yes, he can be strategic. Yes, he has his previous experience, but he's still in it. He's still training people. Absolutely, and and to that point, which is one of the things I want to talk about today, is that he he keeps it contemporary, keeps it fresh but the fundamentals are always there. So you can see uh, a through line between the core principles of protective driving and what the modern protector is doing today and and the innovations that are necessary to kind of keep ahead of the bad guys. But Elijah, do you think that there are protectors out there, really, that go, I know everything there is to know about driving. I've been driving since I was 16. Is that really a thing or is it an urban myth? Unfortunately, I, I, I do think it's a thing. And it's, but it's until they encounter someone like Joe who can, who can speak about the subject authoritatively and, and you see. And the best way to see is to get behind the wheel. Uh, I'm, I'm a believer. I've been to the courses multiple times. And when you get behind the wheel and you learn that you can actually push the vehicle further than you thought possible and you see how you react under the stressors even if you're a seasoned protector operationally um, that time behind the wheel and decisions that you make and the math which is something that I you know I didn't think about and I know many protectors don't think about you know those factors of time and distance and 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 the equations that go into that Uh, these are things that are really important to us and you know, it might not be in some instances as glamorous or as sexy, or if we've got limited resources, this is something I want to talk about. If we've got limited resources, you know, you might think, oh, well, I can spend my dollars elsewhere to get more bank for my buck, for, for the buck. But, uh, you know, I, I do think the things that Joe talks about in any champions is, is invaluable to the modern protector. And is it also valuable to the protector that just says to themselves, I am a protector, I am not a security driver? or is it, is it sort of a, a whole new career path they can consider? Well, I, I think, one, no matter what, if you spend any time in this business, you're going to find yourself behind the wheel. But the flip side of that is, even if that's not something that you do often, just having the knowledge of 
how the vehicle operates and what to look for in a driver can help make the difference, you know, if you're in a situation where, where things go south. So I think that's important. And then there's a whole nother realm in terms of how to increase your marketability. So if everyone is chasing after the same pool of operators, you want to figure out how you can get things that distinguish yourself from the pack. And these need to be, uh, you know, again, a lot of people focus on, uh, you know, the gun aspect and the marksmanship aspect. And it might be fun, you know, to, to do some long range shooting with a sniper rifle, but clients aren't hiring snipers, <laughs> you know, in the U.S. So we need to have some transferable skills uh, that would be appealing uh, to our potential client pool. And actually, one gentleman that uh, Joe introduced me to, a Quebecois uh, gentleman called Pierre Germain, he said, the ultimate goal is to drive so seamlessly and smoothly for your principal that they can sign your check in the back of the car. Uh, which I, which, uh, which I, <laughs> That's I a great goal. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> well, let's try that. Let's meet uh, Joe again. Let's welcome him into the fold of the Circuit Magazine podcast. And let's discuss protective mobility and you as a protector today. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. Protective mobility and today's protector. I'm here with the one and only Joe Ortera, CEO of Vehicle Dynamics Institute. It's a great pleasure to have you on. We've seen you on many different sessions and it's wonderful to go one-on-one with you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. As always, it, it's great to be here with you. You know, we have enjoyed some great sessions with, with some of the different forums and, and I'm excited for the opportunity one-on-one uh, to really drill down into some of what makes protected mobility such a critical component of the EP paradigm. It is, isn't it? It's a, it's a critical component, but yet quite a multifaceted one because it could mean uh, armored vehicles. It could mean uh, fast vehicles. It could mean some other method of protected mobility. It's quite um, wide ranging. But let's start off with our three quick fires. Um, what is the problem, as you see it, or thing that needs to be solved with protective mobility right now? I think right now, uh, the, the most significant issue we're facing is tactical orthodoxy, if you will, versus tactical objectivity. And what brings me to that, that point is, you know, uh, probably many of the people who are listening to the podcast have seen a, a recent video out of Venezuela where uh, some folks doing a J-turn in a high center of gravity SUV with one of the students out the window, I assume providing cover fire, Mm. and they rolled the truck, and and apparently based on reports, that student was killed. And so that brings us to the question of why are we even doing that, right? Why, Why are we practicing this particular technique? And that goes back to that tactical orthodoxy, right? Well, the J-turn, the J-turn is an important component of protected mobility. Perhaps at one time it was, but tactical objectivity leads us to a much different place. And, and that place is 
in high center of gravity vehicles, uh, there is an exceptionally high risk of a rollover in a J-turn. And that's not the first video we've seen of, you know, unintended consequences, in this case, fatal consequences from a J-turn maneuver. I, I sincerely hope as a protected mobility, secure transportation training professional that it is the very last. But if history holds true, it won't be. Wow. Yeah. No. And, and, and that is a stark picture. And unfortunately, yes, we have seen it in the popular press. Um, so second uh, quick fire, quick fire question. Um, what about you? Uh, where does your passion for this come from? You know, my passion for this comes is, is deeply rooted in my passion for everything automotive related. At a very young age, I was exposed to working on race cars uh, and continued down that path and had the opportunity to work as a member of both a Porsche factory supported and a Mazda factory supported road race team doing fabrication and chassis setup work. So I'm very attuned to cars. Then when I got the calling to go into the military, it came from a military family, uh, started to get exposed to what ultimately are some security related concepts about mobility, right? both mobility and counter mobility and started to gravitate towards it. And then once I was exposed to Tony Scotty's training methodology and the, the science behind it, which comported with the science that I had to learn to be effective at my job in racing and all the things that I had to learn to be effective in accomplishing our military missions, the, the gears all just sort of meshed at that point. It's like, this is the direction I want to take my career. And, you know, so now, you know, 30 years later, I'm an overnight success in protected mobility and secure transportation. Fantastic. Absolutely. And, and people, people say people wonder, but they don't see the hard work, um, which is always the case. Um, but uh, but then what about the people that absolutely don't know you? They don't know protected mobility, but they are for some reason in EP. Now, I'm not sure the two of those would go together because obviously if you're an EP, you know, Joe. <laughs> but if you don't and if you don't know anything about EP, what should you better understand? Well, first off, I appreciate that. I'm not, I'm not sure it's accurate that they should know me, but I hope they, they eventually do because it means they're focused on one of the most critical aspects of executive protection, which is that secure transportation or protected mobility piece. You know, it doesn't take long on the ground to realize that that's where the most risk is. And there's all sorts of studies, as we've talked about, that show that. But at the end of the day, my perspective is it's not only risky because of the vulnerabilities that exist, but the risk is also that you literally cannot keep up with the changes, right? So if you're not prepared, if your plan doesn't have a certain amount of flexibility built into it, you could very easily find one, that your plan is no longer valid. And two, you have no way to keep up with those changes, as they say in the military, right? Your plan is being overcome by events. Our job is to make sure not only are we managing risks, but the risk that our plan can be overcome by events. So it's a critical component, not only of delivering protection, but in planning and allowing for, as we should in all aspects of protection, those changes to have that ability, that resiliency in our plan to change on the fly, because it's not a matter of if 
the transportation plan is going to change. It's when and how often. Those are really the two most important questions. And I think new protectors would be well served to think not only of protective mobility in that, but virtually everything else they're doing in that in that vein, if you will. And, and Joe, you know, I think that's the thing that you have been, you know, so masterful in in getting across to the to our industry the awareness of that because I do think there was, or and it still exists, a disconnect between the role that security and transportation play, whereas um, sometimes people in our sector treat them like they're separate. Um, and I think what you've done and uh, your program and, and Tony Scotty over the years has been to show the integration and show and illustrate the failures. And, and I think that's where the, the, the tough piece, because once it's presented to someone, everybody sees it. Oh, okay, I get it. The majority of attacks occur in and around a vehicle. We should be training in and around a vehicle. But, but I think when it's separate from that, it's almost like, well, I handle security and we've got a driver over here that's going to get the protecting from point A to point B. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I just had a conversation this morning with, with a good friend and, and student of ours who's working on a very high profile political campaign. And the biggest hurdle he has right now that they've come out of the primary, relatively low risk, not no, lit, no risk, but relatively low risk, into the general election uh, cycle in a key state, right? So there's a mm -hmm. lot of attention, positive and negative focused on the campaign. And he's the challenge he's having is getting the campaign manager and the principal to recognize these are not two mutually exclusive elements, right? Sure, that sure. transportation piece and that security mm -hmm. piece go hand in hand, particularly when we talk about arrivals and departures, right? Which is, uh, you know, and, and Elijah, you do a great job talking about training people for it. And yet, having had the opportunity on a number of occasions to step back and watch that integration piece, mm -hmm. there are very few times when I look at it and go, man, that was really smooth. They've really put a lot of time and effort into it. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that all the other opportunities to look at these, these folks, I'm going, my God, that was horrible. How did your principal even, <laughs> even come to hire you? It's sure. just when you look at it done well, that integration piece, it is so smooth. It's so seamless. It really gets your attention because even today, after Tony and I talking about it, you talking about it, a lot of folks out there talking about it, it's still the piece, I think, that challenges a lot of practitioners. And some of that may be because of those outside influences, the tour manager, the event manager, the you know, the public relations manager, all these people have their fingers in the pie, so to speak. And so I think for protectors, it's important to understand how do we communicate the value of what we do in a context that those people understand. Right. And, and I agree because, you know, you know, the original thing I stated kind of pulls it and put it in the, the security practitioner but it is articulating it to a lot of these decision managers. And, and you know, obviously one of the leading factors for those guys is the budget. So 
it, you know, if, if, if they've got this budget for transportation and this budget for security, and here's a line item over here, and here's a line item over here, when they start making their cuts or, 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 or even able to beef up the budget, it's almost like this, they, they, because they treat them as two separate things, that's, we end up treating them as two separate things. Different things, right. Yeah, yeah you know. If, if, of their thought process. Exactly. Yeah. So if the client tells me, well, we've only got eight cars, a lot of times we go, okay, well, we're going to make do with those eight cars. Uh, however, if the client told me I went from a, a 10-man team to a six-man team, I'd give them more pushback. Right, right. Because you, you accept one because it's been, it's come down from on high. And the other sure. guy, like, well, wait a second, yeah. now you're in my domain. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine. So, <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes it takes creative solutions to get over that because, as you said, budget, right? The bottom line is always the bottom line. One of our, our corporate clients, uh, they've got some embedded folks from a contractor that, that we, everybody on this podcast knows very well. Uh, and so this particular corporate client, as their need and, and demand for executive protection has increased, one of the hurdles they're, they're facing is the, the personal assistance or administrative assistance to the covered executives are so used to going with just a black car service. Sure. So when the, 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 I don't even want to say philosophy. So when the perspective changed within the corporate culture about executive protection, they said, yes, we're going to use secure transportation all of the time. Mm -hmm. It decimated the, the ground transportation budget that the C-suite had already set up. So it took some creative thinking and, hey, look, let's account for these trips through that budget at what you would normally spend on the black car service. Mm -hmm. The differentiator, right, that cost above and beyond that will be paid out of the security budget. So it just took a, a, a little bit of creative thinking to get over that hurdle. And Joe, if I can jump in, I, I think that's a, a wonderful point that's worth reiterating because, you know, I spent a lot of time in the music sector. And what happens is, is that, you know, these record companies and these touring promoters will have a transportation budget. And, and so that budget might get passed on to the client or it might exist separately, but it's the ability to tap into that budget allows us to have more control over the resource itself. So if you explain that to the client, like I don't need an extra $3,000. What I need is the ability to have a conversation with whoever controls that piece of the budget and show you that as opposed to just having the black car service sit in front of the hotel for 12 hours, allow us to just tap that resource. And I'll, and I'll make sure if we need to get out of here or you need to make a trip to the store, there's a car here for you. There you go. That's a great approach, right? It, and it, it, it solves everybody's problem. And those, those win-win-wins are hard to come by and you have to look for them. And sure. I think, you yeah. know, and, and you, you were spot on. You said, look, I, I've got to go to that person. Yeah, we, we mm -hmm. can't expect uh, everybody we come in contact with to think the same way we do or have the same priorities. But if we can mm -hmm. recognize where the differences are and what their mm -hmm. priorities are, and, and you hit the nail on the head, I want to make sure there's a car there in case somebody has to move. Okay, if that's your concern, right. let me work on that. And that's, that's that communication piece also that 
practitioners writ large, really, especially newcomers, really need to work on, whether it's internal communication with the team or as you move up in your career. And, and look, we all know that somewhere out there is the next Elijah Shaw, right? Probably, <laughs> probably a way off knowing how much time and effort and, and how many things you've, you've learned over the years. They're probably he's, he's breathing off. down my neck right now, I know. <laughs> but but we should be making sure that when they are in that position, they're bringing with them all of the lessons that folks like yourself and I, uh, Phelan, we've all learned the hardest possible way. And one of those is that communication is key, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and it, it, it might not be as sexy, but but I do think it should be one of the fundamentals. Absolutely. You know, because how I talk to the event security manager about where I can bring my cars in. It's different how I'm going to talk to the PA about why we need to use secure sure. transportation. Sure. It may even be different than how we talk about it to the principal who's mm -hmm. simply worried about making sure that this next show is the best possible show they can deliver or the next speech is the most impactful mm -hmm. they can deliver. Mm -hmm. We still have to communicate because we need their advocacy. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we have to learn how to do that and, and communicate differently, the same message differently to whoever is the receiver. Because if not, the worst thing, you know, when you, when you don't communicate is you get that message from the client's assistant, go, here's the driver, here's the number. Okay. Yeah. At least you knew the, the number plate. How did we find it? What was that? <laughs> no, at least you knew the number plate. That's handy. Otherwise, you get the wrong car. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think we've ever had a student which we asked this question answer no. And that's, has anybody ever mistakenly gotten into your vehicle? And, and when you ask the question, you know, it, the, the response ranges from, from, you know, laughter and, well, of course, right, I'm a professional driver and I've been doing this more than 12 minutes to how, let me list the times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be my answer. I can, I can give you a laundry list of these going back. So. <laughs> how many times? Which city are we in? <laughs> no, but don't, don't forget, we had James Atigba talking about Davos uh, because he's based in Switzerland and said every, every car is the same. Uh, every car is the yeah, same. Cheers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you go to a, a red carpet event, the Grammys, the Oscars, uh, you know, any of those, it's the sea of black SUVs. So yeah. if you don't have a plan, it's very easy to, to get mixed up. You know, and some of the things, some of our students have, have been really creative, you know, back in the day, I, you know, I almost hate that phrase, but now that I have a lot of gray hair, it kind of resonates, <laughs> right? So back in that day, and it was a long, hard day, right? Where I got all that gray hair, you know, we would take, a colored three by five card and put it on the dashboard or inside the window on the passenger side of the, the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. some of our clients, they've got uh, multiple magnetic strips. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're just throwing them literally over the door. Uh, you know, so they've come up with some inventive things, you know, uh, tape on magnetic. And, and one of our students has like eight different colors of, of tape. Uh, that are attached to these magnetic backs. And he puts it literally right over the, the window of the door he wants the principal to get it. So that they're looking and they're looking at that rear passenger door on the SUV or sedan. Mm -hmm. And all they see is that, that little piece of color and they go, okay, right? And it's very simple, sir, yellow, right? Look for the yellow tape. 
You can yeah. text it. You can call it. You can brief it. And we all know we have so much time to brief our clients on our security <laughs> plan, right? right? So in the, the 12 seconds of attention you have, it's, it's a great tool because it's easy to articulate. You'll see but, a piece of yellow tape over the door. Sure. But to that point, like you just said earlier, we have to take the small wins uh, because they're, they're few and far between. But it's those, those little nuances that, you know, again, in, in, in some sectors, the driving component isn't sexy. So you have the thought process was, hey, I could go over here and shoot guns. So, you know, if I can go over here and shoot guns and I, if I, and I can spend the money over there, great, I'm a protective agent. But it's, it's those pieces like that that you can learn from instructors or uh, uh, fellow practitioners that are going through the classes. And, you, and those little takeaways give you the wins. So that way, when inevitably something happens where you screw up, you, you balance that against those wins, you know? And right. the client goes, well, hey, a, 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 at least my car's always here. Exactly right. The, the car service doesn't suck. Everything else we make. I mean, you know, you, you take them where you can get them. But, you know, and, and, and Mark James has a great perspective similar to that. Right. And it's, you know, uh, why, Mark, if you don't typically drive, why do you go to a driving school? And it's simple when he is not if but when he's in that circumstance where he doesn't have the trained driver, at least one is he can do a a uh, snapshot assessment of the driver to see, you know, ask a few questions, see what knowledge base they have or provide them certain information. Say, I am going to need you to do this, Mr. or Mrs. Untrained driver. I need mm -hmm. you to do this, this, and this, right? Yep. So it, 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 there is value, even if you don't think you're going to find yourself behind the wheel in understanding what we want our drivers to know, what we need them to be capable of, and of course, if they're not, then what what pressure does that apply to me? Is that person in the right front seat? Right. So I agree, and I think uh, well, obviously we know, you know we we both sing Mark Mark's praises, but I think it particularly becomes the case for for us as protectors that work overseas that go international, where where maybe you're going to be using outside drivers, and they could be security trained drivers, but you're not you might not be the aware. Of, the, of their capabilities. So being able to have some type of baseline and know what you're talking about, you know, and like you said, sometimes we don't have the time to do, you know, uh, a three, four day uh, a brief with somebody, but at least be able to sit down with this driver prior to bringing the protecting, put them in the vehicle and see the knowledge that they have of the vehicle and the vehicle's capabilities. So, so we have to have some type of baseline for that. Right. And even, you know, overseas, defining what is a security driver? Uh, the late Tom Taylor, <laughs> right. uh, great guy, great storyteller, good friend. Wonderful I, guy. Yeah. Dearly. Uh, you know, he called uh, after the Olympics uh, in Brazil, he called and he said, Joe, he goes, where are all the VDI trained drivers in Brazil? He goes, because <laughs> I think I used every security driver that was available. And I didn't run across any VDI trained drivers. I said, well, that's because they were already, you know, they had already been contracted by all the folks down there. But, you know, his point was they had asked for a security driver. Mm -hmm. And so they obviously there were some concerns with a particular driver. So Tom asked this gentleman, well, I thought you were a security driver. He says, oh, yes. He said, I've driven for many years. And uh, for many years, I've also worked security at this museum. 
So he had yeah. security yeah. training so. for museums. He had quote unquote driver training, right? He had a license. He'd been working for a black car service. There's our security driver. So you really want to know when you say, do you have security drivers? What is that baseline? What what is the definition in that person you're you're speaking with mind of a security driver? Mm-hmm. And, and and to that point, you know, you know, what type of vehicles are we using? Because in our mind, you know, from a in, in the US in particular, but even just in the Western world, you know, our idea of a luxury sedan in order to move the Protect D or a luxury SUV is a lot different than you'll find in other countries. And so you might think that, okay, if I've got a car service over there, or if I've got a driver over there, then everything is fine. Uh, and, it, you know, just based off of the roads, based off of the type of the vehicles, you, you find yourself in literally in a whole different world. Right. You know, and, and two different situations that I found myself in when I was out in the field, and admittedly, it's been a while, uh, you know, one was we go overseas and we ask for a luxury SUV and we happen to be in Switzerland and we had a suit that we show up and there's a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> like, but but with, with leather seats though, right? <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, but it had the upgraded interior. I'm like, okay, that's not quite what we had in mind. Unfortunately, we had enough time to make other arrangements and, and come up with, with a, <laughs> a proper sure. SUV, as, as fellow sure. would say. Right? Uh, <laughs> then another case, we, you know, uh, my first stint in the corporate world, we're, we're going to take a look at a place uh, in the Caribbean that the boss is thinking of buying. So we call, we make arrangements for an executive car. And I happen to get there due to a series of delays, right? My, my grand plan for two days of advance work, all of a sudden is shrunk down to four hours and I fly in. <laughs> and so I'm going to meet the, the driver at the airport and he's standing there. I have a picture somewhere in, in, in my files of this very proud standing tall, mm-hmm. very proud. And he has a Volkswagen Golf that he and his brother stretched <laughs> in the garage of their house. <laughs> they basically took three Volkswagen Golfs and made a stretch limo. <laughs> it was painted black. Uh, you know, and again, you, this goes back to my background in, you know, race cars and fabrication and chassis work. And I take a look at this thing and I'm like, there is no way on the face of this earth I'm putting my principal in his <laughs> but I, and, and I can't say that to the guy. He's standing there. He's very sure. proud. And, you know, so you've got to work delicately around that back to that communication, you know, because the last thing I want to do is get this guy all spun up and aggravated. Sure. Sure. He knows someone important's coming in. I, I don't know what his relationship with the local element that might be, you know, mm-hmm. able to do us mm-hmm. harm is. So I don't want to aggravate or upset the guy, but I have to tell him, mm-hmm. look, and, and ultimately I paid him for that day. I said, listen, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't what we had in mind for a car. And I said, but I will pay you for your time today. He goes, okay, and I'll take yeah. you where you want to go. I'm like, no, that won't be necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but can, you know, you got to, sometimes you have to be the iron fist in a velvet glove, no matter who you're. Absolutely. Doing. Well, I, uh, again, I think the, the thing that we always circle back to is, is one, having a solid knowledge base and two, being able to communicate what it is you, you need and, and want done. And, yeah. and, I, and I think 
you know, one of the things I've always admired about you is that you kind of embody that, you know, you, you, you've got the bona fides, you've got the history in the field, but you can also explain to people why, whatever it is that you're, you're talking about, you know, whether it's tire pressure uh, um, uh, or, or, or selecting the proper vehicle to, 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 that, that works best for putting the Protecty in, you're able to articulate in a way that, you know, a person can get it. And whether there's somebody that's a, a newcomer to the field or even outside the field in the case where we talked about with these, these other decision makers or someone who's seasoned and you just give them a different perspective to look at. And, um, and I think that's, that's something that I, that I try and emulate because you know your time in this industry has produced you know a, a lot of great students and people have gone on to do amazing things but those foundational and those core principles is something that that that, that the layperson can learn from because you, you do programs just for student drivers am i right with this yeah oh yeah our accident avoidance programs are some of the most mm -hmm. popular it's uh, you know, it's funny, they were geared for young drivers, but when young drivers come through, typically we see the parent that accompanied them in the next <laughs> class, and, and or we'll have classes, we have an accident avoidance coming up uh, in a couple of months that's already full, and it's all the spouses and children of students of ours, which, okay, right. is, you know, that's, that's very humbling that you would trust yeah. us to train them. But, but the other is the fact that, you know, these, these people see this and they go, yeah, you know what, this isn't just for me as a professional. I have a long mm -hmm. list of people who might benefit from this. And, you yeah. know, in terms of, and, and it's, it's absolutely humbling to, to hear uh, your perception of the impact that our entire team really has had on the profession and we appreciate that and you know when i look at how do we convey information and i shouldn't say i our entire team looks at this on an ongoing basis we remember a very simple rule and that's there there's a fifth type of adult learner that nobody likes to talk about and i am that learner right so we talk about the visual learner, the auditory learner, the kinesthetic, mm -hmm. they learn by feel, then the holistic, they learn from all those other three ways. I am that one nobody wants to talk about. I am the impact learner. You have to hit me in the head with the book for it to sink. <laughs> so that's the perspective I teach from. <laughs> well, well, I hadn't heard you say this before, but you described me. Like, this is me, right? <laughs> the common thread, right? We're impact yeah. learners, yeah. I, I, I always say if, if it takes somebody three times to learn a thing, it'll take me six times, but I, I'll get it. It'll just right. take a little longer. Just, you got to have some patience. I'm getting there yeah. already. <laughs> exactly. Let me go at my own pace. I'm, I'm Once I got guy. it, I'm good. <laughs> right. Once Now it's never coming out, right? I've got it locked in. It just takes a little bit longer to get that. I, I feel your pain, my friend. Meanwhile, Phelan's going, I get this stuff down at the drop of a hat. <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> No, but 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 on that on that, well, let's let's relate it back to our audience because, as you said, people learn different ways. Um, a lot of people, there's a lot much made of getting paperwork done before you go and get hands-on driving. I'm not going to say who's been talking about that, but you know who you know you know that that's kind of a big thing at the moment, right? Uh, online learning versus in-person learning, and so on. So, what advice do you have for an EP professional coming to a driving course? How do they prepare? What makes them a good student? I can tell you the one thing that makes them a good student is be open-minded, right? Because you're going to see things potentially differently. You're going to hear things differently and, and you have to be the filter, right? It comes back again to our original point that 
tactical orthodoxy versus, you know, this tactical objectivity. But when you go to training, open your mind, see what they're teaching, and does it comport with what you recognize as being critical or vital, right? And then how do you assimilate that into the other things you do? You know, you now the challenge becomes with the new student, right? The first time they train in something, it's the best training they ever had in that in that tactic, technique, or subject. And, and I'm not arguing that. Sure, it is, yeah. but you yeah. don't have the frame of reference. So as you build that frame of reference, I think objectivity becomes even more important, right? Uh, the second thing, though, right? So come in with an open mind and be engaged. You know, uh, Elijah, you know, you've, you've seen our program. Felon, one of these days is going to take me up on my invite to come. Which would be amazing. I have to be there for that one. Yeah, we should. Well, that's what we should do. We should get just a bunch of us together and just at that fellum's expense, we'll have a few good laughs. How, how, how good's your insurance? I mean, do I have? To... Oh, it's very good. We've had Elijah there. It's very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they survived with me, so we're okay. So the other thing is, you know, uh, not only open mind, but be engaged. You know, Elijah, you know, we like to run an interactive course. We want people to share their experiences. So. So be engaged, put forth your best effort. You know, we have run various iterations of scholarship programs, right? And one of the things that I've had, one of the challenges we've had in dealing with scholarship winners is getting them to understand when they're at that training course, they're not, they shouldn't be marketing themselves, right? First off, the other students likely aren't decision makers per se. Some of them might be uh, or may be able to influence a decision. But if you want to impress somebody who's been in the profession a while, which most of our students have, right? Most of our students mm -hmm. have more than 15 years of experience, right? They're onto their second career, uh, but certainly not all of those dynamics are changing a bit. But if you want to impress those folks, drive well, learn, show improvement. And then someday you may get a phone call where I go, hey, remember Jane or John that you were in the course with? They reached out. They want your contact information. They were impressed by you versus the person who comes in with a stack of resumes and wants to hand them to everybody. In a training course, that's not necessarily the environment for that. Now, maybe afterwards over some dinner or beer, that's fine. But come in, engage, prepared to train. That will impress somebody who's been in the in the profession quite a while right that will impress them more than your resume and that's based on my experience love it and and then i guess um maybe maybe a, a way to sort of wrap it up and i know that you know at least uh you know a lot of our listeners sort of like this feature if we then say joe what have we learned like we, 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 we've learned about training, we've learned about being a good student, and you know, we, we, we've learned about the world of protective mobility, but, but, but what, what would takeaways uh, be from this session? I, you, know, I, you know, I think it depends on where you at, are at in your career progression. There's always something to take away from every conversation like this. So for newcomers, I think it's, you know, be focused, be engaged, understand that even if you don't intend or plan on being behind the wheel, there is value to having a deeper understanding 
of every aspect of protection, but particularly protected mobility or secure transportation, because it is a risk center, right? For the more experienced or knowledgeable, I think one of the things you take away is, you know, the the world that we operate in and the vehicles that we operate within that world are changing. So our perspective on secure transportation should evolve and mature based on those influences, right? And again, that comes back to training. And the question, is your training provider and their training keeping up with this evolution? And that's for them. And then, of course, I think the last takeaway, uh, any discussion about training, I think the overarching, not really the last, the overarching takeaway is there is always value to be found in training. Even if some of what you're learning doesn't comport with what you've already learned or what you've applied, there will be things in training, no matter who's delivering it or providing it, that will be valuable to you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but they will be. So train, take every opportunity to train. That is great advice, isn't it? And, you know, Everyone points to the uh, Steve Jobs example. He never, you, you wouldn't have had the nice fonts had he not stepped into the calligraphy class. Or is that just a, a thing that I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't heard that about Steve Jobs, but you know, Fellum, uh, if if you if that's what you're going with, I'm behind you 100. <laughs> percent There you go. Maybe maybe I watch too many motivational YouTube videos. Um, but but this is good, and and I really appreciate this because yeah, lots of other topics we could go down. We could go down electric versus non-electric. We could go down automated uh, speed, uh, you know, monitors and blockers. We could go down some of the more emerging technologies. But but that, I think, is for a different podcast. This is protecting mobility. This is driving skills. This is, you know, getting EP professionals uh, up to speed beyond uh, where they, you know, are at the moment. Um, So so I really like it. And and I've got something I, I want... Joe to touch on because you know he's he's constantly introducing and and, and innovating the program and you know he, he mentioned that early on when he said that you know we, we have to evolve and I think a lot of times programs do get stuck they they might have a core principle philosophy which works but they also have to evolve with the time and and you know when we, we talk about the vehicle and technology and, and just all of the challenges and the new systems that come in uh, that's one thing, but also us as protectors, our industry develops and the, the craft and we can kind of perfect that. And and I know, you know, you've recently introduced something that you've been working on, which is this uh, vehicle centric defensive tactics, which is working or, 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 or dealing with incidences that happen in and around a vehicle. Can you touch on that a little bit for me? Sure. And it, it really goes to the core of what you mentioned about the technology and it's we, we're rolling it out now to our professional protectors, our, our private sector students. It's a program that in reality, we've been teaching and evolving with one of our partners, uh, Baker Tactical Training and Design, for 12 years. But we we're presenting it to those that were primarily operating in high-risk environments, military and government personnel, et cetera. Uh, but the demand has increased because Technology is such now that the old 
adage that, hey, we're going to cover and evacuate to the car and we're just going to drive out of here may not be the reality today because of advanced driver assistance, ESC, pedestrian detection, et cetera, et cetera. That may not be an option in a number of mm. scenarios. So now uh, what was old is new again, right? What was sure. old was, hey, protectors got to be, you know, sharp in those hard skills and prepared to mm. fight at a moment's notice. Well, now mm. if I can't drive away and I've moved to that car and it's no longer mobile and, and mm. that potential is increasing exponentially as this, this technology expands into every facet of our lives, then we do have to have the capability to effectively protect the principal. And in sure. fact, even if we are still mobile, in a, cer a, a certain set of circumstances where a crowd may be collapsing in on the car or surrounding the car, I may have to fight somebody off of or out of the car in order to take advantage of the mobility at my disposal. Um, good. Um, well, this is this is fantastic news. I do hope we all get to actually get in the same room. I will. I am planning to be at the IPSB in December, and of course, the sixth annual convergence forum in Phoenix, where you, Joe, very kindly spoke last time. Uh, yeah, so sure. I'm going to. Is it that time again? I know. August. Wow. August is coming wow. up. It's coming wow. up. Well, I can tell you that uh, in December. Uh, I will be in Kenya for three weeks on vacation. So are you going to nice. meet uh, Glenn? Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, Glenn and his wife will be relocating to the U S uh, she's a U.S. national green card and their son is living in Charleston. So sort of a last hurrah. Uh, my wife, Debbie and I are going over and we're going to do another safari with them, which we did a few years ago with the kids. And we're going to spend some time, uh, on the coast, uh, on the beach with them, sort of celebrating their the next step in their lives, which is relocating to the States. It's amazing. Fantastic. That'd, that'd, be, that'd, that'd be a great time. Well, we got to get Glenn on and, and hear all about his motorsport uh, experience. Um, well, and he just he just completed a motorsport experience or is, is in the process. So he's a consultant to Toyota Gazoo Racing for the Africa Safari Rally, which they won last year while he was consulting with them. And obviously, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They brought him back to consult <laughs> again this year. And earlier he ran the classic, the Safari Rally Classic, which is basically a gentleman's rally for the Skoda factory team. Love it. Well, it, it shows just how well connected you uh, really are. And of course, by virtue of getting to know you, we've had the privilege of knowing quite a few great people. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really good news. Speaking of connections, uh -oh. Joe and I go. actually, Joe and I actually have a connection coming up. We talked about when when we will all see each other in person. But Joe, I, I think I'm going to be seeing you in a couple months here. Am I right here? I, I believe on Saturday, October first, we'll be delivering the vehicle centric defensive tactics program in your advanced EP course. That is correct. So, yes. you know, uh, this is like a scoop, by the way. We hadn't announced this yet. It just so happened that this um, this episode of the podcast was going to come out the day of the announcement. So it all works out. Perfect. It's great. Love it. Well, well it's news to me. And, and so I feel privileged to be in the inside scoop of the scoop uh, before we release it, um, which is which is a good place to be. Um, 
I appreciate this. And it's, it's a bit more relaxed because, of course, uh, you know, we've we've done a lot uh, and yourself and Elijah have done a lot. Um, but but I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful that we've thought about how to become a better student, uh, uh, about what protective mobility could and should offer the EP professional, the different different disciplines between security driving and uh, not security driving, you know, and, uh, and, and, and maybe some of the tech that's going to, you know, mess up people's uh, day up or not or it could be an enabler you never know um and but i am glad that we're we've moved on from the uh ford f-150 heating everything up to 150 degrees fahrenheit <laughs> I, i'm glad we moved <laughs> I'm on for particularly that. grateful we've moved past that point yes <laughs> but uh, you don't want to switch that on by <laughs> no no <laughs> that, that'd be that'd be a tricky one right okay so from elijah and myself um I, it's been a pleasure having you on joe uh, this has been another fantastic edition of the circuit magazine podcast uh, thank you fellow and elijah as always it's a pleasure uh getting to commiserate with you guys share some knowledge and experience and take in some as well it's always a great time and looking forward already to the next time we can do What a privilege to welcome Joe Otera to the Circuit Magazine podcast. And actually, part of me really wonders how come we haven't had him, us, you know, until now. Uh, Elijah, what what have you taken from today's session? That I was right about him being a superhero. Mm. <laughs> and to stay on your your multiverse analogy, we maybe have had him as a guest before. Oh, right, that's true. We, we... Mind blown, right? I mean, we, we've lived, his, his message has definitely come through in a lot of uh, presentations already. So um. 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think, again, with foundational learning, with those core principles, the people that know and get it incorporated in their philosophy and incorporated in how they move. Um, I, I can definitely say that for myself. There's a great number of students of my program that have had previously attended Joe's or um went to it afterwards and and so uh, it, it it's a it's a it's a wonderful program he's not paying me to say that it's a wonderful program with a very very well-established pedigree and when you have him on the show and you listen to him talk you, you know i mean you get it because this is a guy who's been there and done that he has and and he very graciously had us uh, welcomed virtually in Kazakhstan uh, on our protective mobility event last uh, last year. So, so now Car- I have to go. Kazakhstan Car- is an experience that everyone should, you know, all, all protectors should 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 at least experience once live, and then you're gonna all protectors should experience at least once live, and then you're gonna want to do it again to see if you can improve your standing once you go inside there. Absolutely. Well, well, let's let's see if we can uh, get uh, more people uh, across to the VDI. Um, well, what what else have we got coming up? Because because uh, I've I've had an interesting time. Uh, uh, a number of our protector friends tuned into a, a virtual event where I brought panelists to a boardroom in the middle of London. Then we went for a reception. That was a nice format. So thanks to our BBA uh, members for joining us. Uh, what what about uh, for you, Elijah? Oh, well, you know, me and Joe teased it, but but we've got uh, a little collaborative project coming on. I, uh, again, you know, putting my money where my mouth is, I've got 
the advanced course, the ICON advanced course, which, um, which is going to be uh, in September and October. So the end of September, beginning of October, September 26th until October 5th. And on October 1st, I've got Joe coming down and he's going to come down with Alan and they're going to do their program, uh, which I think is phenomenal. He touched on it here, which is uh, vehicle-centric uh, defensive tactics. And again, I think it's something that those of us that are operating in and around a vehicle, which is most protectors, would, would find very beneficial to their tool set. Wonderful. And, and, and where's that going to take place? And that's going to happen in Raleigh, North Carolina. Have you been to Raleigh yet? Nope. I but I, we, but I maybe, need to. Maybe, maybe we'll work on getting you out there as well. This might be the time we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm in, I'm in uh, Phoenix and D.C. in August. Uh, it's not quite the same, I know, but, uh, you know. We'll get you down there. This, this could be that Avengers get-together that we were talking about. I, I, I don't know which character you'll be. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I dread to think. I dread to think. <laughs> uh, I, I want to be, I probably want to be Thor, but it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> I, I, I was thinking the Hulk, but, you know, let's go with Thor. There you go. There you go. Hulk or Thor. That, 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 I mean, that, that, if, if I can't be those, then I don't know who else. Um, I feel like there's some, there's some Nordic roots somewhere in your tree. So there you go. Must be. There Must we are. Be. See, there we are. But but this is good. And hey, the, the magazine itself has just landed. Um, so so I've been busy reading that, even though, of course, we, we help put it together. It's always a pleasure to uh, to read it. Um, love yeah, the same with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I uh, um, you know, because I look at it with a different eye. So once it comes out, I get to look at it and experience it. And, you know, the, it, uh, it, there's something about the creation process, which is just trying to make sure we get everything right. Mm -hmm. uh and, but but on the other end being able to look at it uh and i'm the same way with you know i went to film school uh when i was in college and that process is making the movie is different than when you sit in a theater with the popcorn in the hand so you know that finished um article of the circuit when they come out i, I digest it like everybody else yeah it, it is it is lovely to see that and of course our wonderful team that helps uh you know to typeset it and uh, and get everything uh, ready not least of course our editor uh, john uh shout and, out to the crew and uh, and sean well yeah fantastic so so do subscribe and uh, grab your latest edition of the circuit magazine if you have not already uh of course we would love for you to uh, subscribe to this podcast there's an there's a there's a wide variety of platforms you can do that on of course but uh, the main thing is that you you join us and and hopefully uh, come with us on a journey as we explore and uh, get the pages of the magazine to life uh, which which is something I used to say as a bit of a catchphrase, but uh... <laughs> see, that's a catchphrase. It's just superhero catchphrase. It's yeah. uh, I can't think who else has a superhero catchphrase. It's clobbering time. That was the thing. Same thing. This is you, bro. Yeah, bringing the pages <laughs> of the circuit magazine to life. <laughs> okay, <I'll>... <laughs> we'll stop. Yeah. Uh, yo, guys, but I, I agree. Like, subscribe, share. Let everyone else know if you like the content that we have. We hope you like the content that we have. And then, you know, let us know. Let's do it. Well, thanks very much. Uh, lovely to have the one and only Joe Otero on today. Uh, love the work of VDI and uh, looking forward to your collaborative course in North Carolina, Elijah. So from Elijah and myself, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast.
You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.